Happy Sunday, everyone. Uh, we've been using this book called Real Love, and today I wanted to set up this idea of a, of a sort of a summary. You know, we covered so many, between Sharon and I, my gosh, we, we, we gave so many tips and techniques for keeping relationships and marriages alive, and, and, and what I had really wanted to do was somehow to summarize this magically in kind of like a, a user reference guide that would just be in our heads and would be sweet and wonderful, but I got to tell you, something went a little haywire this week, and, and so I should probably start there. So um, my partner and I um, often go down to the coast on our days off, and so we packed up the car. It's 10 o'clock at night. We get into the car to drive down to the beach, and the instrument panel of the car is dark. It's like the lights are on. We're in the car. We're strapped in like we're supposed to be, and the instrument panel completely dark. Well, first I get the idea, that's okay, we'll just put the dome light on. Have you tried driving with the dome light on? Not such a good idea. You can just barely see the instrument panel, and, and of course the light is totally distracting. My partner, God bless him, said, well, you know, we have a, a car manual right in the glove compartment. Let's just figure out what's wrong. Like, read the manual? Oh my gosh. <laughs> Who would have ever thought of that? But the trouble with it was, have you looked at these things? This is like 285 pages of, of like, and it sort of assumes you already know about cars. To just even to start with, you need to know whether you want to look up something about the fuses or whether you want to look up something about the electrical system or whether you want to look up something about the lighting or whether you want to look up something about the instrument panel. Well, it could be any of those things. How am I supposed to know? So instead, if we want to have a handle on sort of a user guide on love, I decided maybe the car idea wasn't such a good idea. Here is a user manual we can enjoy. This is from Ohio Arts Etch-A-Sketch program. All familiar with the little red Etch-A-Sketch? So here are the directions. My Etch-A-Sketch has all these funny lines all over it. How can I fix this? Pick it up and shake it. How do I turn my Etch-A-Sketch off? Pick it up and shake it. How do I create a new document? Pick it up and shake it. How do I set the background and the foreground color to be the same? Pick it up and shake it. And what's the proper procedure for rebooting my Etch-A-Sketch? Pick it up and And in fact, it's only this last one. How do I save an Etch-A-Sketch document? Don't pick it up and shake it. All right. So I want love to be like that. Is it, is it too much to ask that we have some simple rules for a relationship that will consistently work. So that's what I'm trying for today. Let me know later whether I even come close. But the first place to start, I think, is a, is a reasonable one. And that's what do you expect. What should we expect from a relationship? And, and certainly the, the car guide tells you all kinds of things like that. What should you expect? Are the seats heated or not? And if they are, how do you use that feature, right? Just what should you expect? Well, I want to summarize what you can expect in a relationship in a very simple way. You can always expect to be loved. But you cannot always expect any one person to come at you with the love that you want to see. 
Expectation of love is great. There are people out there always who will love you. Expecting it to look a certain way in a spouse or a friend or a family member in any certain time, I'm sorry. That is not an expectation we can have. To be loved, ultimately, absolutely. But to expect it in a certain way from a certain person on a certain date at a certain time or there's something wrong, that's craziness. Because that is you putting your thing, trying to control the universe, trying to, to, to be something in the face of someone else. And you just can't do that. But expectation of being loved? Absolutely. All of us are due love. And if there's no love in our life, let's work on that. Let's absolutely work on that. Okay, next expectation in a relationship, and that is simply that people are going to make choices and we need to be okay with that. It is everyone's right to make choices, to think things, and even to say things. And there will be days when it's the last thing we want to hear, the last thing we want to experience, the last thing we want to imagine, and we basically have then our own set of choices about that, right? We can sit with it and be okay with it, We can sit with it and be totally pissed off, or we can exit. And basically, those are the only three choices, and I want to just briefly play those by you, right? So one of the options is just to get the heck out of there. There are times when this is appropriate, and sometimes that period of being gone may last longer than others, and that's okay in a relationship too. Because one of the things that's important is sometimes we all need a little space, so if, if picking up and heading out is, is the best option, it's the best option. It doesn't mean the relationship's over. doesn't mean that you shouldn't have conversations. It just means you need a breather. doesn't have to mean anything more than that. Okay, what are our other options? The other option is to just be okay with it. To just let the disappointment be there, let the, the wonkiness be there, the thing that she said, the thing that he did, the, the way she showed up, the, the thing he didn't do, the whatever it is. One option is just to be okay with it. She made a choice. He showed up a certain way. God knows I'm perfect, right? <laughs> I, I would never do anything, but out of the graciousness of my heart, <laughs> I'm just going to be okay with it. And then what's our third option? To put up with it, but just be royally pissed off. Now, this is the situation that disturbs me the most because I actually see it fairly frequently. People will do that. He did it again, and if he does it one more, you know, that kind of BS. And what you're doing is you're saying, my life isn't okay the way it is, and I'm going to stick right in the middle of it and just complain louder and louder and louder. This is not okay. This is the recipe for a relationship failing, to be honest. So I would suggest, if you find yourself in that position, just complaining bitterly, you know, oh, it happened again, and now I'm going to get even grinchier about it, right? He did that thing, she didn't do that thing, the lawn never got mowed, the bill didn't get paid, whatever it is, people make their choices, and then we make our choices, but I want to suggest just being pissed off is not a good choice. So again, the other two alternatives, I'm okay with what went on. I'm going to be okay with it. Now, it may mean there's some negotiation ahead, right? It doesn't mean that we can't make requests of other people, but in a relationship, we make the request, 
the answer comes back, and then we've got our same choices again, right? The answer may be, well, that's fine, but I don't feel like making dinner tonight. <laughs> the answer may come back, and it's, well, okay, but I don't have time to mow the lawn. And so then you're back there again, and again, I tell you, you can take action on your own, right? You can be okay with it. Maybe I'll mow the lawn then this week, and I'm just going to be okay with that because it's important to me. But any time we tentatively say, my relationship is depending on you making a decision the way I want it to be, that my relationship with you is dependent on you being a certain way for me, loving me a certain way, oh my gosh, I'm turning into that nasty control freak. And I do not have the right to do that. Now, sometimes I get away with it, but that too is not really a good thing if you think about it. Because tentatively then, what am I saying? That I'm more important than you are? That my part and my understanding of the way love should be should negate or change the way you are and what's right for you? I do not think so. Okay. One last thing about how it's supposed to work, and it's a fairly simple one, and that is simply that we try our best to refrain from trying to control one another as best we can. And I know there will be days when we think the world would go so much smoother if only you would. We think that our lives would be just so much more blissful if... And what does it usually involve? The behavior or the thoughts or the speaking of the other people. And it's just not our right. So as best we can, and every time we catch ourselves trying to say, if you only loved me, you would. If you only honored this relationship, you would. Or, or the reverse. If you really cared, you wouldn't do that. You wouldn't say that. You wouldn't show up that way. The best we can hope for is controlling that in ourselves. And it's huge. It's a huge one. I, I had to go through a period of time where uh, last year, I don't know if, if you noticed, I was wearing a, a little wristband last year. I, actually, I kind of hope you didn't notice because it was like some personal work that I was doing. And what I had noticed was I was trying to get my way if you will, in, in my primary relationship in, in, in a particular certain format. And so I was wearing that wristband, and every time I noticed I did it, I was switching the wristband. So if you did notice, you'd know fairly frequently. Sometimes you'd see me, I'd be on this arm. Sometimes it'd be on that arm, because I was having trouble with it. And, and it can be a very subtle thing. It can be as easy as, honey, I thought it was your turn to do the dishes this week. This is an attempt at controlling someone else. Now, there's nothing wrong with stating a fact. There's nothing wrong with making a request. But then again, the other person then has their right, their absolute right, to come back with their thing. It's like, the, and, and they're, they're very likely to say, oh my gosh, yeah, I did say I was going to mow the lawn, and I'm just too tired to do it right now. And so there you are. You love them or you don't love them. And what I know about love is that it is intended to be unconditional. So it may be that, you, it may be that there does have to be some working out of the dishes or the lawnmower, but love is not dependent on that. And, we, and when we imply that if you loved me, you would do that, we're saying, I don't want you the way you are. This is the other really important thing here about a relationship is brutal honesty. 
Because whenever I say, Sharon, you know, if you really cared for me, you would change how you do the announcements or whatever cockamamie idea I come up with. She's laughing because we talked about that recently. Whenever I do that, and <laughs> whenever we do that, and the implication is, or our relationship will suffer, then what I'm doing is I'm asking her to be someone that she's not. I'm saying, I love you as long as. I'm saying, what I really love about you is if you were somebody else. And we don't, we don't want that. We wouldn't want that for ourselves, right? So why do we do that for other people? Okay, that, if you will, is the how it's supposed to work. We treat each other with complete honest we we present ourselves exactly as we are faults and all warts and all problems at all and we do that because we know then that the people who love us love us the way we come into this world the way we are we're a work in progress we make mistakes they mistake make mistakes and the more we're upfront about it honest about it forthright about it then we're really loving each other as we are then whole families can be in love with themselves knowing that sometimes the beds are made and sometimes they're not sometimes the homework is done and sometimes it's not sometimes the dishes are done and sometimes they're not and does it make for a messy life sometimes yeah love is sometimes messy that's the bald-faced truth of it, and people are worth it. Now, the next thing that you might see in a user manual is sort of when things go wrong a little bit. And have you ever noticed that your car has all kinds of things on the instrument panel, and you're used to them, and every once in a while, like a red light will come on, and you go, well, what the heck is that? Right? I, I know a common one for me is the, the, low, uh, the low fuel light. So I have a car. <laughs> well, you know, I, I kind of don't maybe pay as much attention as I should. And when you get down below like an eighth of a tank, this little light comes on. And for some people that means, oh my gosh, run to the gas station. What I know is it means I have 23 miles to go. <laughs> now... Now, you might ask how I know it's exactly 23 miles. <laughs> Our relationships have warning lights, too. When you have an actual fight, it's a warning light. If there's physical violence, this is like the, this is like the oil light's been on for three weeks. Do you know what I mean? There are things that can happen to a couple or to a family or to a friendship that's an emergency light when it comes on. Certainly yelling and, and having physical violence is true. But I would suggest, too, sometimes it can be quiet and more subtle. I know in the family of my origin, there was a bit of the silent treatment going on sometimes. There was the withholding of physical intimacy going on in my family. These are huge warning lights too. I was working with a, a couple last year and uh, we had, it wasn't until the second session, you know, ministers, I, I, maybe I shouldn't be shy about talking about sex with couples, but it wasn't until the next, uh, the, uh, the second time that we, that we met that I said, well, well, how long since you two have made love? Well, it was three years. This, this should be like a huge emergency light on the dashboard of a relationship, right? So what can we do when this happens? Well, first of all, if it's something overt, if it's something like violence, if it's something like shouting, if it's something like yelling, this is when your car overheats. And what do you need to do? You need to cool it off. You need to step back. 
And it only takes one of the two of you to really realize what's going on, and then you can. And it only takes one of you. The other person might initially keep, you know, launching the attack, so to speak, and that's okay, because when they see that you're retreating, when they see that you're growing quiet, when they see that you're backing down and not wanting to artificially stand up for some opinion or some idea or, or whatever it is, when, and here's the key, when they see in you that the relationship is more important than the thing being argued about, it will stop. And if you have to absent yourself from the house for a minute or if you need to to go into another room, it's okay. The car needs to cool off. You don't want it to explode on the freeway. It's okay. And even in the even in the worst cases, even in in spouses or partners or friends that really kind of have that that bit of violent streak in them, they will stop it if you really walk away a few times. It may take a few times, but when they see you are not going to meet them with that kind of energy, and you're you're going to de-escalate, you're going to back off, you're, you're going to do what's right, you're going to you're going to say the magic words that are something like "I love you." And what we have together is more important than, you know, the budget or the, the, the how the children are being raised or, you know, what we have together is more important than this thing. When that is clear, the drama will cease. Now, what about the other side of things, though? What about the withholding of love? What about the, the withholding of intimacy or the silent treatment or the, or the have you ever noticed people in some of their, uh, you know, I, I actually have, I actually have a photograph of my mother and my father and my mother's like this. It's like from when I was 10 years old, and I have no idea, you know, I have no idea or comprehension of what they were talking about, but you don't have to say a word, do you? (laughs) These are warning signs, too. And actually, in a way, they're the opposite of what needs to happen. Rather than cooling off, you need to engage. You need to be able to share what's going on from a feeling level with what's going on with your spouse or your your friend or your partner. And these things are, you know, oftentimes we assume if we're talking about love, it's couples. But this is true whether it's a a friend that you want to keep, whether it's a, a child and a family member. All of these rules, if you will, all of these advice, this this maintenance manual we're talking about today really works in all of your affairs and all in all of your relationships. And so if there is a withholding, if there's a silence, if there's a lying or, uh, or something like that, we need to just launch right into it. And the quicker the better. And here's how I'm feeling. I'm really feeling like there's something going on that's wrong here. I'm feeling like you're withdrawing. I'm feeling like you're withholding. I, it seems like I, my imagination is that you're lying to me. And I feel horrible about that. And say it from your own, not you did this to me, right? Because we're going to avoid the victimness, right? None of us are victims other than to our own selves. (laughs) So we're not going to like work on the blaming game because that always goes badly. That escalates instead of calms and and, and loves. But we're going to get right to the heart of it. I feel this way right now. I feel like I'm losing something. I feel like I'm lost. I'm feeling like something about our love has gone crazy. Let's talk about it. You know, what, why haven't we been holding each other? Or, you know, or what, whatever it is. 
And the quicker you do it, and the more heartfelt you do it, and the clearer that it's about the relationship and not about the stuff happening, the more importantly it will be heard and the easier with which you'll be on the right track. And then where does the conversation go back to after that? I think it goes back again to that idea of what a relationship is really supposed to be. It goes back to that idea of, well, what should we expect from each other? Am I placing unreasonable expectations on you? Probably. We mostly do that. More often than not, we have an expectation about what a best friend, not what a best friend is, but what a best friend is supposed to do for me. Not what a partner or a loved one or a family member is supposed to be, but what they're supposed to do, how they're supposed to make my life easier, how they're supposed to make things convenient for me, how they're going to make me fill up a void or, or something sad within myself. And you know what? They can't. It's an inside job. So from the get-go, you're setting yourselves and them up for strife. That, that fulfillment just comes from here. That, that true sense of, of belong. people can't make you belong. People can't make you sense the love. People can't fill you up. And through honesty, through truly believing in ourselves, we can present a whole person that will have the universe in love with us. It may not always show up the way we want, though. And we have to be okay with that. Again, back to the three choices, right? We can get the heck out of there. And after you've gotten the heck out of two or three relationships, right? You're at the point where you know that your gas tank, when the light comes on, holds exactly 23 <laughs> gallons, right? And it's not like when the light comes on this time, there's going to be more in there, right? There's not that bailing out on yet another relationship or moving to a different city, or changing a job is going to change the, the face of the partner, the face of the boss. It's, it's like their physical bodies may be different, but it's still you right in the middle of it all. The changes happen here. And it's so very simple. We show up authentically. We're as truthful and forthright as we can be. We speak our mind from the heart. This allows us to be seen authentically. When we are seen for who we are, it's like ringing a bell. People sense the authenticity in it, and they will accept you. Even when you make mistakes, even when things go a little haywire, even when you're having the equivalent of a bad hair day, only it lasts a week. <laughs> no matter what's going on, when you present yourself in complete authenticity, you will allow people to accept you as you are. And that's what fosters love. That, my friends, is the beginning of true love. Because I can't love you if I don't really know who you are. I'm in love with a fantasy. I'm in love with an idealized picture of what, uh, you know, what a woman should be or a man should be. I'm, I'm in love with a fiction probably in my own head right, that I've concocted about what a marriage should be like or a best friend should be like. I'm loving everything but you. When you present yourself completely authentically, with complete authenticity, when you present yourself false and all, people get the chance to see a whole person. And it's beautiful. Are we running on empty...
I want to offer this invitation up. If, you're, if your fuel light has come on because there's something sticky going on in your relationship, the one part in the very back of this manual, it says, it's a series of phone numbers. <laughs> I tried to change the oil in my car exactly once. <laughs> Get help. If your relationship is running on empty and you've already tried the things you know how to do, if you've tried the simple tips that we offer up about relationships on Sunday and things are still wonky, please. We have uh, licensed practitioners here. Reverend Sharon and myself are here to meet with you as individuals and couples. If it's of a, a spiritual nature or a relationship issue, if it's something more fundamental and you've really been having trouble, you know, you might want to see a marriage counselor. Uh, maybe Maybe even a psychological counselor if part of part of the problem is what you're bringing to it you know past fears and and things that that maybe aren't quite rational all of these are wonderful things we would never think twice about taking our car in for repair would we no in fact I want to ask you what person here knowing that their oil light was on or some other significant thing was wrong with their car what person here would just keep driving it and never expect anything bad to happen? <laughs> Nobody. We do that with ourselves and our loved ones every day. Let us not do that. There are all kinds of people in this world that have training and expertise in helping couples and helping individuals. Let's be the people that reach out when we need the help. Let's not try to change our own oil unless we know what we're doing. All right. I'm going to close today with a, a quote from this lovely book. You know, we started this whole series talking about God's love and how the idea of earthly love and love between people on the planet really is an attempt to mirror the kind of love that God gives us. And, and what I love about this book is it's really how Greg Bear ends this book as well. Here's what he says. Our ability to love each other is often severely affected by our own emptiness, loneliness, or fear. But God isn't affected by those feelings. God loves us perfectly. And when we exercise faith, we can learn to feel the abundance of God's perfect love and therefore not feel afraid or alone. And in the absence of emptiness and fear, seeing and loving other people genuinely becomes natural and effortless. Therefore, a loving relationship with God is the greatest gift in this life, and it is always available to all. Let us pray. There is one power and one presence in this universe. That thing that I call God is also the thing that I call love. And what I know about God, what I know about love is that it is present everywhere. The face of everyone we meet is God in form, is that presence of sweetness and love in form if we but take the time to see it, if we but have the understanding to take it in. And so I know for myself and for each person in this room that this is a week of willingness, that, that this week and the following week it becomes ever easier to see that face of God, to see that ability to love in every person that we encounter. Certainly in ourselves, when we look in the mirror, it needs to be the beloved. 
When we meet someone on the street, it is the beloved. When we are talking to the people that we care about, our friends and our families and, and our partners, it is the beloved. And so this week and each week following, I know that each of us up-levels our idea of how to treat the beloved with that same love, that same joy, that same peace, that same beauty with which God treats all of us. And I'm just grateful for this. I'm, I'm grateful for this time together talking about the nature of God and love. Grateful for God showing up as the power and presence of each person in this room. I just let it be. And together we say, and so it is. Thank you for being here today. Thank you so much.